I'm, I'm caught in between trying to be polite and also like, get the fuck away from me. I don't want you to give me this disease and I do not want to, in case I'm carrying it, I don't know. And come on, bitch. Do you not understand what's going on? Like, that's your biggest concern? You found a fucking syringe in your tree? Like, we live in Lithgow, for fuck's sake. We know that there's a meth problem. Would you... Please. But, you know, I was a bit of a cock as well. That I was just like, oh, huh, okay. Well, um, I guess, uh, what can you do? Uh, be careful, stay, stay safe, and uh, I guess just be cautious. Good luck with your tree. Uh. And then, you know, as I'm walking away, I'm like, fucking bitch. She just gave me fucking COVID cunt. And there's our intro. Hi, welcome to Movie Butts. This is uh, part two of our series on um, Alan Moore. In this one, we talk about the worst of Alan Moore adaptations. I'm Arnie Joe. This is Dane. So uh, I'm spinning it around a little bit. I realize that I become a bit robotic and I say the same thing every time. So I thought I'd change that up on you, Dane. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, you know, keeping it fresh because at the end of the day, I need to also feel that I've made steps in my life. And at the moment, there's not really much to feel proud of at the moment because we're locked inside like fucking chimpanzees in a zoo, you know? Mm -hmm. So the little things that we do make all the difference in our, in our mind. Um, so yeah, we're, we're movie butts. We basically take a bunch of critical information and, um, commercial information from, uh, aggregates, things like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, um, Metacritic, basically average them all out. And, um, it points towards what is the best and the worst of the subject we've picked. Um, this episode is about the series of unfortunate League Gentlemen. Uh, yeah, sorry, the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, what do you, what do you think of this film, Dan? Uh, you, uh, Jesus Christ, where do you start? I mean, I just, straight away, it's not a good movie. No, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad movie. Yeah. It's, but it's, it is kind of fascinating to watch though, because I think this is a very good example of a studio owns a property and they decide to make it for whatever reason. I honestly don't know why this could um, be good, dude. This could be, good. Oh, it could be very good, but they didn't know what they were doing with it. They were just like, okay, adapt this, hire a director, figure it out. And I don't think that, I don't think anyone behind the scenes knew what this was or how to make it work. Cause it just feels so stale. You know, like it's like, it's just this fucking studio machine. I churning think they out watched, this. is this the person that made the mummy? I don't think so. I don't think so. I feel it feels like they watched the mummy yeah. and didn't get it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Because I get mummy vibes from this. I don't know if it was because it came out around the same time, mm -hmm. but I'm getting that kind of, you know, 
a bit campy, fun. Like, oh, this is not okay. So I, I take that back. It's not what I'm getting from the film. I'm getting that's what they tr- were trying to do yeah. with the film. Um, trying to make this this romp, this you know, ensemble romp. But it can't be an ensemble romp when there's one actor in it that we fucking know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe because like that was a formula that they that maybe they were trying to reuse from the Mummy, which is to take this ancient property. Which it's not really an ancient property, but these are yeah, ancient but, characters. Yeah, the characters are like two hundred years old in some instances. Yeah, you know. Um, so you know, maybe that was their thinking behind it. Like, take this, you know, take these old characters, and revamp them into an action adventure. I think it worked with the Mummy. I really like that film. Yeah, of course. Um, it didn't work here. I think one of the main reasons it didn't work is because they didn't have enough fun adventure to it. Like it has, it has elements of that. In fact, I think at the, at the beginning of the film, like during the first eighth to a quarter, you really start to think that you're, you're going to be in for like a really fun action adventure. Where up to like, at what point did you, what, what did you feel safe in the hands of the director? Um, okay. So I never really felt Sorry, Actually, you know what? That's a bit pretentious. Up, I th- I up until what point did you realize that this was a lost cause? It's once they're all on the boat, like they, they all, they all get onto Captain Nemo's really? ship. Yeah. That I thought, okay, this, this could still be something, you know, that this might get so wacky that it's fun. Okay. But, um, once they're all on the, on the ship. And then it, then it, you know, then it halts like the, the, the fun vibes come to a halt. And then we're just left to, you know, take some time with the characters and then it starts to take itself too seriously. I I think it's less that um, I think it's, I think there's like another key point involved in this. That's not just them getting on the boat. It's as soon as they're together and we find out what their goal is and their Mm. goal is to get to Venice Mm-hmm. And for the entire time, I'm like, and what are you going to do when you get there? What the fuck is the plan? What are you doing? Why are you a team? Why are yeah. all these things happening? And that never gets answered. They never have a plan. Everyone is fucking stupid. It's super irritating. But I think when they got on the boat, they know what they're doing, but we don't. So the well, kind of film yeah. stops. I mean, that's why I thought it could be fun because it seems like it's not taking itself seriously and the details of the plot don't really matter. You know, it kind of reminded me of a James Bond film. Like I've seen a bunch of those movies and I don't mind them because, you know, I watch the action scenes and the, you know, the, 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 the campy dialogue. And I have no idea why James Bond is in this country or who he's talking to or why the, but I understand. You're talking about old Bond, right? Not uh, the new ones. The new ones take themselves very seriously. Even the new ones, to an extent. I have mm. no idea what's going on in Skyfall. I'm like, yeah, it looks cool. Okay. You know, he's he's being he's being charming to some woman, and then an action scene happens. All right, whatever. Um, so I, it was kind of a, the, the same thing with with this in that. They say they, you know, they approach Sean Connery at the beginning and 
they're like, the the empire needs you, and he's like, well, the, the empire is a piece of shit, and then and then um then his his little um palace in Africa blows up, and then the guy's like, looks like the walls already started, Mister Bond, and then he's like, well, looks like I better go and visit the queen or whatever, and then. Then next thing he's over talking to this guy and he's all campy and he's like, there's a very dangerous villain going around. This could start a big crazy war. And he's like, a world war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, well, this sounds pretty crazy, but you know, what's, what's the idea? And he's like, we're going to put together a league of extraordinary gentlemen. And then the invisible man comes along and you're like, okay, this could be goofy fun because it just kind of chugs along at this, it's, you know, pretty fun pace. It's all right. It's not fucking fantastic, but it's all right. And then it just comes to a fucking screeching halt because suddenly we're supposed to, you know, be fine to watch these really long morose dialogue scenes about, their traumatic past and their feelings and it just does not work at all and it's so fucking boring and then the rest of the film follows on that note the action scenes aren't good the special effects look like shit and everyone then just just takes the whole thing too seriously and they expect you to care about the plot it's just everyone explaining what's happening to each other and it's like I don't give a fuck. I don't fucking care. What is this? My my issue came more from the fact that I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And I'm quite an, you know, observant human being. I can generally understand what a what what the story is, what the plot is, you know. I can generally with these kind of movies, they're not meant to be hard. And it's mm-hmm. not that that it's hard, it's that it's so paper thin. Mhm. That it's that, you know, I'm watching these characters talk and I'm like, but what are you doing? Like, what's the plan? Like, like, okay, so the bad guy, spoilers, is the person that gives them the job, right? And he goes, you need to go to Venice to stop the the bad guy from blowing up Venice. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we'll get in the boat and we'll go to Venice. But... What's their plan? How are that? Did where do they know to go in Venice? Like where do they know what to do? Anything? How do they know any of this stuff? And then mm. the Venice just starts blowing up. And at that point, isn't it kind of like okay, we're fucked up. We don't know. We we don't know what we're doing. But then all of a sudden, it just becomes okay. But if we shoot this building at the right time, it will stop the bombs. And it's like what? Yeah, what are you talking I... about? And then, and then the bad guy's plan gets revealed, and the, and it gets revealed that the bad guy is the guy that gave them the plan, and that just completely destroys everything before, mm. um, because I'm sure there there was a better way of him. More spoilers: getting their DNA to create super soldiers. I'm sure there was a far better way of doing it than this, than getting them all on a boat. To I mean, Venice. I, you know, I mean, I understood that, but again, it's like, do you, the, what do you mean you understood it? Like I what part that, did you understand? I mean that I'm willing to accept it. 
Okay. If, 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 you know, if it's a tongue in cheek excuse to get all these characters together to have yeah. some, to have some campy action scenes and witty dialogue. Yeah. But the problem is, is that the movie doesn't make that excuse for itself. You know, I mean, you could have had like, I don't know. Like, I was going to say, like, you could have had like Sean Connery been like, oh, this plan stunk from the beginning, but then he's, but then everyone's stupid and yeah. it doesn't make sense for these like extraordinary gentlemen to be that dumb. So it should have had like a very clear, I, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue and they should have made it very clear from the beginning. If you go to Venice and you stop something from happening, then you'll save the world, which I think is maybe what it was supposed to be. But I'm with you. I had no idea why the fuck they were going to Venice. No idea. And I don't think they cared to, to properly explain it because I think that the director had no idea what he was doing, didn't give a shit, didn't want to make this movie and was like, all right, we just need to get them to Venice because that's what happens in the script. It's like they just fucking, it's like someone wrote the script and then everyone involved just like skimmed through it. This film simultaneously ended the career of Sean Connery and the director. Both of them have not worked since this film. Yeah. That's how fucking cooked it is. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. There's some, and and again, like maybe maybe they were too faithful to the comic. In the you know how like you can be faithful to something in the wrong spots. Yeah. You can you can be like oh we no we we have to reveal that M is uh, Moriarty in Venice. Like we have to reveal that there because that's what happens in the comics. Yeah. Not realizing that that might not work for an hour and a half movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's these simple things that they could have done to could have that could have made this a better film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would have preferred if they went through the whole basic M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong principle of re save the reveal for the end. Mm -hmm. Have them go, have the mission be to catch M. Mm -hmm. To catch the, sorry, not M, the bad guy, whatever. It's the same mm -hmm. fucking guy. Catch him. He, ev he evades them in, in Venice. They chase him because Dorian betrays them. And then when they get to the ice fortress with the fucking tigers and the all the shit, that's when it's revealed that what's happening. Mm -hmm. Because what it seems like is the characters have an idea of what they're doing. But we don't. Yeah. But we, but, and then that makes us think that they don't because yeah. they actually don't. Yeah, that that only, reason... We only know what they, what, what the filmmaker allows us to know, right? Mm -hmm. And if that was the structure, this film could have been what you said, could have just been a lot of fun. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's so inept that it just blows its load too soon. That's what's, yeah, that's the most frustrating thing about it for me is that this is a tremendously inept movie. But yeah. it has like mostly all the right ingredients there to be actually good i because for me fun basic, I, I don't know the, i don't know about good but like fun fun and enjoyable could have been another mummy you know mm. that so there's a few things I, like i want to get into the cinematography a bit later because that's a huge fault but um we'll, we'll, we'll save that 
I just want to say that I think the basic plot points could have remained the same, but they could have been communicated um, much simpler. So I think that if it was, and this might have been the case, but I don't know if it was yeah. So we've, we've got Intel that this big badass villain is going to be in Venice for whatever reason, we know he's going to be in Venice. This is top secret shit. We need you guys to go there and, and, and capture him. Right? So that's the plan. Go there, capture the bad guy. But then when they get there, it's an ambush. But the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is, you are, know, too good. Are, are too bloody good that they even underestimated these guys. And then you could be, have some campy dialogue be like, geez, I didn't think that they were that good. But, you know, they, they, they get into a big crazy fight and they, they all fight together and they beat all the people that are trying to capture them. And in that moment, you can still have them... Uh, fight the bad guy and it turns out that it's M. Oh, but then that wouldn't make any sense because why would M be there? It would be like, it would be, a, he, he would, he wouldn't be there. I know. What why was saying. he there? Why was make, he? <laughs> to, for the reveal. That's, that's why he was oh, there. Oh, for the do you reveal. Know, do, okay. So I just had an epiphany, right? Ugh. So, you know, the mummy is, was a sleeper hit. No one expected it to make money. No one expected it to be successful. It's not a critically popular film. The critics don't think The Mummy's that crash hot, but audiences love it. It made money, right? And that's because it's fun. It knows what it is, and it's a good little adventure film. You know but what yeah, I mean? It, it nails it nails the formula. Yeah, it nails and the also formula. the um, also the performances. It, it it went above and beyond of what it was supposed to be. It, the it the did, performances are, are better. Than they're supposed to be that the editing, the the sound design, the direct, like everything just went above and beyond. With the I mummy. think I think it's I think it's casting. They got really lucky with. No, I don't want to say lucky. Whoever cast the director did really well with casting, like Rachel Weisz, mm. Brendan Fraser. The guy that played the mummy was freaky. Um, mm. The guy that played the the head of the you know the secret secret Egyptian police is really good. They're all re it's really well cast. Yeah. Um, this film, I think, do, if, if I could swap, well, not swap, but remember how we were talking about the self-aware but frustrating dialogue of Panic Room? Yeah. If this film had a bit of that, mm -hmm. like you said, Sean Connery being, making quips, being like, it's a terrible plan and... Yeah. Um, what are we doing? And rah, like just enough of that yeah. to make us to, to at least show that they're in on the joke. Yeah. But we don't get that. Yeah, definitely. I think the problem here, there's, there's, there's a number of problems. I, mm. I personally don't think that casting is one of them. I, you don't I, think casting's the problem? I think the weakest cast member is Sean Connery. Interesting. Everyone, everyone else I thought did a good job, but I'll get right. into that. But I think that that was the, the, the first problem that they would have uh, come into, which is that I think whoever adapted the, the script, um, or whoever adapted the comics into the screenplay, um, I haven't read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I know Alan Moore, and that it would have been a much more... Uh, serious piece. Somber. <laughs> yeah. Then, then this, like this film is begging to be camp. 
Um, and I think that in, in, in the adaptation process, there was a desire for it to be campy, but they've carried over too much of the, the seriousness. And I think yeah. they needed to go full camp. Yeah. Um, and it, this would yeah, be hard to do seriously full stop. In a it film, would take yeah, it would I, take a very talented filmmaker to pull this off. I yeah, I think for something like this, like just knowing what Alan Moore's work is like, that um, and they're, they're talking about it at the moment and adapting it into a series. Are they really? Um, yeah. You Holy need, shit! Everything is currently being spoken about being adapted into a series, so whatever. I wouldn't but, mind. Like uh, the thing is. I'll probably see it in a, in a, and it'll suck. But there was there was a part of me that was really depressed that this existed because the concept of it is... Mm. Well, first of all, it's ahead of its time. Mm. Look at the world we're living in now. And, like, I'm, it's literally fucking book nerd Avengers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, as a, like, that fits very much into the zeitgeist of today. In 2003, you know, it's like, uh, who cares? Yeah, so the concept you know? is great. And I mean, like, I don't have any issues. It's, it's the same with V for Vendetta. And that was my main problem. I felt like V for Vendetta should have leaned more into being a campy superhero movie and not taking itself so mm -hmm. seriously. Uh, yeah, um, I, I know what you're saying, but there, there are parts of um, V for Vendetta that the tone, I, I think, just is think nailed. But only only a little bit. I just think V for Vendetta should have been more uh, Dark Knight. Sure. It takes itself just a little bit more seriously than that film, and I feel like Dark Knight nails this self-serious comic book thing. Sure. Well, um, well I think all, all well, mainly the first two. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Dark Knight Rises. No, but there's still either. a bit of, like, levity in the first two. Uh, enough for it to to ground it, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's and not I, just completely think... dark. Sorry for cutting you off. No, it's okay. And I and I think with with this one, um, it w it 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 should have been full on camp, you know, yeah. like like very very self aware, um, and it it has it has moments of that, and sometimes it goes fucking even too far. But then there are so many moments where we're meant to give a shit and take this seriously. Like, it's not just some, like, fun action romp. You know what right. I mean? And so what's a, what's a point that you think it went too far? Too far with being serious? Oh, no, being ridiculous. Didn't Isn't that what you said? There were points where it went too ridiculous? Yeah, there are points where it reminds me of... Um, that third Batman movie, not Dark Knight Rises, but like Batman Forever and like Batman and Robin. Right. Okay. There's, there's, there's <laughs> a certain, yeah, there's, there's plenty of Batman and Robin vibes going on. When they're chasing Jacqueline Hyde through, um, like, is it Italy or something? Yeah. I mean, like most of the scenes where Sean Connery's running around sh shooting, his shooting his gun and he's just and like, making quips. Yeah, and he's he's shooting the mask off of the guy, and it's making it, it, little sound effects. It felt like a kids' movie at those points, and then at yep. other times, it felt like probably what a uh, a tr true to the original source material would feel like, where where they're having serious discussions about his son. Mm. 
you know? Yeah. And then there's, and then there's other points where, I mean, like when they, when they find out what the big plan is, I just have to basically run through this scene. They just realize that M, the guy who hired them, is the bad guy, right? And then they get back on the boat and there's a record for them, like a recording. So they put this record on and then- The exposition record? Yeah. And then M is just on the recording, spelling out his plan entirely to them, saying- well, it looks like I tricked you, old boy. It was a ruse. I just got you all together so that I could steal your powers so that I can take over the world. And then, after this bullshit, says, and I know that you're wondering why I would tell you my plan. And I was thinking, yeah, I am wondering why you do that. And then he says, because it doesn't matter. I've already won. That's the fucking thing. That's, that's, that's their excuse for why it's he's poor. why he's laying out exposition to the audience. Pathetic. Yeah, it, it's it's literally it's that it's it's the cliche. It's the meme of the villain exp- like exp- expositioning their plan and then that allowing the fucking good guys to win. Yeah. It's just dumb. And it's that's just, that's like, a point where the camp campiness goes way too far into into power i don't call that camp i call that bad yeah like i think that there's a difference but i mean that's something that you'd see in like in like austin powers so there's a movie that we're gonna keep bringing up until one day where we finally fucking get around to seeing it uh what we're watching it for the pod for the podcast uh phantom of the paradise is Mm. camp Phantom yeah. of the Paradise is very aware of its influences. Yeah. But I don't think something like th- it doesn't excuse bad writing for it to be camp and for it to be aware of itself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like No, definitely there's a there's a fine line between um and this is this is where I have a problem with Mars attacks. There's mm. a fine line between deliberately writing campy shit but doing it with a love and a passion for that type of material and then there's doing it with an utter disrespect for it totally so that i my two of my favorite musicians are there's a guy named frank zappa and there's a band called ween now a lot of them compare the two because they're both uh comedy they both make jokes right Mm mm-hmm uh, but uh, a critic has said where Ween lovingly uh, embraces their influences and subverts them into humor, Frank Zappa uh, humiliates and makes fun of the things. Yeah. They're very different. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like that. There's a, that if you're doing something with love, which ironically Tim Burton did with Ed Wood, mm. how much love is in Ed Wood? Oh yeah, so much. He's 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 in love with the guy. And then and then he makes the same like a weird parallel universe mm. like spiritual sequel in the sense that he's making an Ed Wood movie. Yeah. But it's like he hates it. Yeah. It's, it's like, like his he... entire tone has changed. Yeah. 
in what two years? Yeah. What happened? How? With Mars Attacks, I, I, I have a theory that um, he had a different idea for what that film was going to be. Yeah, but it became a big budget thing, and, and then, then the studio got the and way. And then he became very cynical about it, but he was locked into doing it, so it was a lot of him like sitting in his chair, being like, "All right, fuck you, action." I would very much like to know, and I'd like to pick his brain one day. You know what I would really like? What? Apparently, Tim Burton has a cut of Mars Attacks that is fully edited, the final cut, but without any of the special effects put into it. That would be very weird. I need to see that. Well, let's, uh, let, hopefully one day that ends up out there. Now, I'm curious, right? Have you seen the original Blade? Yeah. I haven't. Okay. I've only seen Blade 2. How is Blade? It's all as right. As a film. This film is directed by the guy that made the original Blade. Mm. So can you tell that they're made by the same filmmakers? Um, No, not really. I mean, if if you point it out, you can maybe see some similarities, but not particularly. I'd say... Blade, he very, he, he very much has a clear idea of what he's doing and what he's going for. In Blade? Yeah. This okay. director for hire and has no idea what he's doing. My, my, a theory of mine, and you, you, you mentioned it earlier and I found it interesting. You said that you think that the biggest issue with this film is Sean Connery. Is that correct? I don't think or it's in the terms biggest, of casting? Yeah, I don't think it's the biggest issue with the film, but yeah... It, in terms of casting, because I actually wanted to know, I quite like the casting and I like everyone's performances. I think they do actually a really good job with the material they're given, especially Dorian Gray. Yeah. But I think Sean Connery is the weakest of the lot. Uh, my main issue is uh, Tom Sawyer. He's right. terrible. <laughs> And he's our main character, pretty much. Outside of Sean Connery, he's our main character. I found him insufferably bad. Um, I found I found the Invisible Man. I found Dorian Gray. I found the vampire. What's her name? Um, uh, Harker. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she's Jonathan Harker's wife. Um, Nimoy. Like I found all of them fine. Mm-hmm. In a campy way, I liked Richard Rockborough as um, as uh. uh uh, M because I like him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did, he, I think he, he was in on the joke. Like he did it campy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the bad guy, at least with his acting, he was kind of like, okay, yeah, this script requires me to be like tying someone to a train track. So I'll do that in my performance. Yeah. But the guy that played Tom Sawyer was really bad. Can you defend him? I'm just curious. Did you find him bad or? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did, but I think that it kind of works with what his character is supposed to be because he's the only American. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, I found him obnoxious, tryhard and annoying, which I felt like that's what the character was supposed to be. Sure. So it didn't, it didn't, and and also he's surrounded by so much, you know, awful shit that it didn't really, 
it did it didn't it didn't bother me i think i okay so you've got sean connery as the um you know the weathered hero right He's the he's he's been Bond, and even in the story, Alan Quatermain has gone through everything. It's insinuated that he's died a few times. I'm pretty sure that's like pretty insinuated, right? That he dies and he gets resurrected and shit. Yeah. Um. I needed I needed an anchor. I needed an anchor in this film. Mm-hmm. Something to be the ying to Sean Connery's yang. Mm-hmm. And um. This Shane West dude, whoever played Tom Sawyer, I don't think was up to the task. Like, I get that he's obnoxious and all these things, but I don't think he was good enough. And I think I would have forgiven some of these things if it was someone better. Yeah. I think you like, I, I think I'm you're trying right. I'm struggling to think of who. Yeah. Um in two thousand and three, who was the bee's knees back then? Who could have been Tom Sawyer in 2003? In 2003, could have got Brendan Fraser. Oh, fuck off. Why? What about, he, what about, oh wait, no, he's British. He has to be really he, young. Yeah, but Brendan Fraser was already in The Mummy by this point. I don't think he would have fit. I don't think know. they would have been able to afford him. Because I know that like Sean Connery got paid like seventeen million dollars or something. No, well he got paid seventeen million because he produced it as well. He's one of the producers of the film, and I think uh, I was going to bring that up. I think that might be why some of his stuff feels a bit off, and that's probably because he had his talent agent and everyone, and he had a bit too much say. Well, I mean, in his character, so I think there's a bunch of like subplotty shit that he's like, well, my publicist has read the comics and says that. I've got a dead son and I need this for my motivation. You know, like maybe, but I mean, like the reason he accepted the role was because he turned down the matrix and Lord of the Rings. And then who the fuck was he going to be in the matrix? The architect. Really? Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. But he turned down those two films because he didn't get them. And then he read the script for this and he said didn't that get it. he didn't get it, but he took it on anyway because he didn't get those other two. So what does he know? And I so, kind of like that. That's kind of cute. Yeah. And then, so he, he just did this. So because of that reason, I mean, I know he had a lot of conflict with the director. Well, I, I would not be surprised if, a lot of this was pretty much directed by committee or directed by someone else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I would not be surprised if he checked out the filmmaker at least, you know, Joe, what did you think of the rest of the cast? Uh, m- my main issue was with the script. Um, yeah. and, a lot of the cast didn't really get much to go with, mm. but I only really had an issue with um, uh, Tom Sawyer. The rest I actually thought mm. were pretty good. Um, at, at the beginning, at the beginning, at the beginning, I was kind of like I wanted more recognizable people, but then I realized that these characters were becoming the characters because they weren't, and I liked it. You know mm. what I mean? So 
I think they did. They they th- all really tried. I don't have as much of an issue with Sean Connery as you do, because that character's meant to be the the weathered. I've seen it all kind of guy, yeah. and he gives off that vibe. I mean, honestly, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't have a problem with his performance. That's more me saying I was surprised at actually how good the rest of the cast, not Tom Sawyer, but um, Dorian Gray, Vampire Lady, Captain Nemo, um, even the Invisible Man's all Oh, right. no, he, he was probably one of the best. I thought he did oh, really well. Particularly, I like the guy who played um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Him yeah. and, him I've and seen Dorian him in Gray. things, and I can't remember where. Yeah, him and him, Dorian Gray, Vampire Lady, you know, even Captain. I, I thought they were quite good and extra points because I would not expect them to be competent. I mean, to to have an actor these days be able to competently perform in in silly costumes under an outlandish premise is is expected because of Marvel and and all that shit. That's kind of what it is now. But back in 2003, um, to be given a role like this and in a, in a film like this with this, this kind of premise going on uh, with, with, with this script and under, under these, um, you know, horrible production conditions that are well-documented, I thought they did surprisingly well. I, th- I thought they were quite good and they were, they were solid throughout. They even deliver they're terrible lines quite convincingly. I, uh, so I would like to find out uh, the story of this film because I, I do find it a, an interesting car wreck, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, th- there's part of me that thinks that this isn't a director for hire job. Mm-hmm. I think this is more similar to the Tim Burton situation where mm-hmm. slowly over time, the project became something else. Okay. Now, what you're saying to me is that Sean Connery signed on because he didn't understand it, right? Well, he, he signed on because he didn't understand The Matrix and Lord of the Rings, but saw how popular they were. So he was like, okay, well, I don't understand this either, but, you know, I've been proven wrong recently. Sure, sure. So, So, but, okay, so taking that into consideration, now, all of a sudden, Sean Connery says yes to your film. Mm. Um, Your producer is sending this motherfucking script to every major motherfucking um, older actor on the planet, and then Sean Connery says yes. Mm. Now, what kind of commercial fucking baggage does having Sean Connery in this film create? Yeah, well, I I read a little bit about it, and I know that they conflicted a lot. Sure, and and yeah, I I've read that too. So think about it. So as soon as he gets involved, I have a feeling this movie changed. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that he probably had a lot of the cast before Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. You know, he might might have been doing an all right job, and this is literally the case of someone's career melting down and them having a nervous breakdown because they're losing control over their baby. I find yeah. that more the case than I don't think he just didn't give a shit. I think he I think his baby got stole from him and so did his soul and slowly <laughs> but surely this film became the shill that it is. What do you think of that as a concept? Yeah, I think that that is um 
I think that's quite possible because there's, you know, there's, there's plenty of shit that I think works. I mean, like, um, I like the set design and the costumes quite a lot. They look rubbish quite often, but I think that's because of the, the nothing cinematography. Like sure. It's the, pretty bland. Yeah. A lot of it, um, is lit so poorly that it looks stupid, but I think that if it was lit properly, it would actually look quite cool. Like the inside of Captain Nemo's ship, the um, the exteriors, like of the um, uh, when they're running around in um, nineteen hundred London, is is quite well designed, but it looks rubbish because it's just filmed in this very flat way. It's like comedy lighting. It's just so. Yeah, flat and just not really helping inform the the scenes or the atmosphere at all. It's just yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, imagine it's very they're, standard. They're it's spent- kind of like they had the. It's kind of like they had the sets built, and then it was just up to the production crew to light it, and so they just went to their you know textbook lighting. Okay, we're no, gonna light I, so it. I, I don't even and think there was that. No they, they could have started. For- Hello. Hello? Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I I cut you off and then I thought you were going to continue, but I think we both realized that we were over-talking each other and then stopped. Is that what just happened there? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I thought maybe the the connection had broken again. Oh, wow. We're both just too polite for each other. Isn't that nice? Uh, (laughs) No, so I think that they probably spent a bunch of money on design, right? Um, and then this, this comes into the whole art by committee bullshit. And I've been in, in, in situations where this has happened, where I'm trying to shoot something and then the designer comes in and goes, oh no, but this needs to be a part of it. And then I'm like, no, but I need to shoot it this way. And they've gone, well, we're all making this movie. And then, you know, it becomes that stupid fucking argument. Do you know what I mean? But, um, I have a feeling that they spent a lot of money on production design and they're trying to shoot it in a certain way. And then hypothetically, uh, maybe someone said, oh no, but we need to show that the work that's been done and then they've fucking overlit it. And there's just so much fill light that it just becomes yeah, boring. Like everything's just overlit. Like they're yeah. in a submarine and it feels like they're in a palace. Now yeah. have the furniture, um, have that awesome, weird, you know, steampunky vibe. But don't don't expect me to believe that you're gonna have halogen globes all over the fucking boat. You're not. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's eighteen fucking eighty seven or something. Yeah, I mean, even when they're running around in um, that gothic London, there's no creative use of shadows. I mean, they're no. running around in they're running around in this environment at night. And everything's just overlit and clearly visible. It, I mean, it's almost like they've that's got a your light opportunity at them. to to. Sorry. It's almost like they've got a light pointed at them. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 so it's so fucking ugly. But there are points where it looks quite nice because because of the set design, but it's so overlit and and just drab looking that it completely fucks it up, which goes along with the rest of the film is that there, there and are plenty special of effects that, as well. Yeah. And there are plenty of things that 
that do work and and are quite intriguing but then there's so much that doesn't that they just cancel each other out and it just overall is fucking rubbish yeah um overall this like do you know do i found that you're giving this movie a bit more credit than you gave v for vendetta uh no it's definitely a much worse film than v for vendetta but because it's because it's so bad i feel inclined to try to look for positives and how it could have um how it could have been better i think v for vendetta is actually like kind of a good movie but i feel like it could have been better it could have been elevated into into something better so i'm more inclined to to criticize what went wrong you're not going to celebrate like, mediocrity with like i'm not v for celebrating vendetta. i'm not i'm not no, 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 with v for vendetta it's like if you're giving it a lot of congratulations you're kind of celebrating mediocrity because it did have the opportunity to be really good but with yeah. this it's more like um it's more like interesting to go oh yeah there are some things that work like i do, do there are far worse there are far more movies that i want to shit on than this but yeah, i did find feels... myself being annoyed by it quite a bit yeah but i think like everything that went wrong feels almost like it was a like a mistake yeah rather than just shitty taste like my problem with v for vendetta is that i feel like they made the movie that they wanted to make but i just don't like their adaptation sure this one i agree more with their vision for the film if i'm guessing right and that they had a, a more campy adventure film in mind i agree with that like that's a direction that they could go and that that could have worked and everything that didn't work feels like it was a mistake like something went wrong along the way i know what you mean you know they didn't deliberately employ bad ideas they had good ideas but just too much shit went wrong i think this film became too big like um what's the you know the bondock saints you're a fan of that story aren't you uh boondock saints yeah, yeah. i'm not a fan of those films but i like the story yeah no no the story the behind yeah so you know how like weinstein gets involved and then everything changes and then that movie yeah. becomes too big yeah and then it and then it crumbles under the weight of expectations from both the studio and everyone mm. similar to this i have a feeling that somehow expectations were raised you could argue that this guy invented the superhero genre. Who? The director? The director. Blade oh, is the of, one that brought... Blade? No, no. Blade is the yeah. one that pretty much um, reignited the whole superhero thing. Mm. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, what's a, Marvel, what's a Marvel fucking comic that got adapted before Blade? Uh, yeah. It's the first yeah. one. Do you know what I mean? So... You know, I, I, I'm going to give this guy a bit of credit for that, right? Mm. Um, you know, and then it, it, so he had something going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, too many people realized or just the, the amount of pressure that come, that comes up with the sophomore film or the film that follows that. Yeah. It just became this big dumpster fire of too yeah, many was- cooks. It was probably because, I mean, it's it's weird to think about, 
but this was at the early stages of comic book movies becoming becoming really big because yep. you had you know like you said blade you had x-men you had fucking spider-man yeah so it was probably yeah like the studio being like oh this shit can make a lot of money so they got very into theory sean connery got into theory and was a pain in the ass and then it just it just came out as this um yeah horse by committee think about it this guy invented the modern day superhero genre followed it up with proto avengers yeah you know <laughs> yeah and that's a that's a frustrating thing because um there's a lot of things here if you if you if you look closely and you pay attention then there, there's i think that the, it does have all the ingredients to be a really fun enjoyable movie and it's executed all wonky and that may be the reason is because the studio stepped in you can you can Sean have connery you can have the right team you can have everything going right and still create crap I don't yeah. know if you remember, but did did me and you watch the movie The Snowman? Yeah. And do you remember who did everything in that film? Every single key department, the cinematographer, the director, the writer, the editor, all yeah. of them were amazing. Yeah. And somehow that movie Had all is... all the ingredients to be great. And it's fucked. That movie yeah. is extra fucked. You know, like within the first five minutes, me and you were looking at each other going, what? (laughs) And it, you know, and, but there was, there should be something there, you know? So we're just unaware of something that went wrong with this film. Um, my, 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 my bet is, um, Sean Connery, to be perfectly honest, he's a producer and he's a lead actor. If you've got motherfucking people like, um, uh, Will Smith, who has a writer come on to rewrite the dialogue on a film to make it sound more like Will Smith. Mm. I'm sure Sean Connery, if he's producing a movie, has a bit more of a say in what happens in the film. Yeah. And like you said, he has no idea what's going on. I agree with you. I think Sean Connery, but I also think the studio, due to the sudden surge in popularity of comic book films... Sure. ...that... The studio would have got their hands in there. That combined with Sean Connery being a pain in the ass, I think I I'm willing to bet that those two things combined were the major cause for this to be such a disaster. You, for Stephen Norrington to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Again, I'm fan theorizing here. I don't well, know because if he had there a are the, nervous there breakdown. Are like, there are some things that are exceptionally bad. I mean, just like, like fucking continuity errors. There's one point where Dorian Gray stabs the the vampire lady, right? Delivers some cheesy dialogue. And then he walks off screen and we cut to another scene. It's implied that he's left. We, we have, uh, a scene with another character and then, and then another scene with some different characters. And then we cut back to him still being in the room and he pulls the sword out of the lady. Now, I think what was supposed to happen was that 
instead of him walking off screen and we cut to something else, he's meant to sort of walk off screen and we cut to a different shot and show him walking around the bed to get his sword. Yeah. But for some reason in the edit, because this was such a disaster, they've cut, cut it the fuck to, back. Yeah, cut to cut to other scenes. And surely they realize that, that that doesn't make any sense. It's such a it's such a weird edit, but they left it in there. They they did that on purpose. Yeah, I don't know. It's again, it's just it just feels like something that just like it felt like a ship with no direction by the end of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I sent you <laughs> I'd also like to quickly bring up that this film has Alan Moore's name on it where V for Vendetta doesn't. Yeah. This is the one that made him take his name off of the off, off but and, and to be honest, license. if any of them deserve to have their his name on it, V for Vendetta at least wasn't like horrendous garbage. Um, yep. Before we move on quickly, I'd like to know, are you a fan of the Watchmen film? No. Good. Okay, cool. Just just, just wanting to know, because I don't like that film, but people do. No. And, I, the, and, I'm, and I feel is like I have to defend myself not liking the film. Have you read the comic? No, no. I haven't read anything, Alan Moore. Oh, you read the comic. It's, it's great. It's great. It's really good, yeah. Um, yeah. So earlier today I sent... Well, not earlier today, literally before we started recording, I sent you a couple of reviews for this film. Yep, I got them pulled up right here. Oh, fuck yeah. Do you mind reading them to us as, as okay. part of the show? So this is a 10 out of 10 review titled Get Over It, People. This is a fun movie by Sith Vol. Okay, I've read the negative reviews, and I must say this. Alternate reality. Anyone heard of this concept? What? You do realize these characters never really existed, right? This is a fun movie that doesn't have to have every single plot point explained ad nauseum. Oh my god. Bravo to the filmmakers for not spending three quarters of the film explaining, ba explaining back history on these characters. Note. If you are having trouble with this concept, read a book. He hasn't read any. I I, this, I will tell you now, he has not read any of the books that this is based on. No. This guy's an asshole. This film was ten times the movie that the overhyped Matrix Reloaded and the god-awful Hulk was. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Hyde was a much better Hulk than the Hulk was as well. A very enjoyable movie that I would score 8 out of 10. You gave it 10 out of 10 at the top. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm confused. Again, I think this is very similar to one of the other people we've had who gives it a bait review, gives it mm. like a 10 out of 10 or a 1 out of 10 to get people to go, oh, what's this? Yeah, and then puts their real score at the bottom. Yeah, um, I don't understand where he's coming from at yeah, all. Yeah, was, was, what was he talking about? Hey, guys, ever hear of an alternate reality? Like, no one... You know this is a film, right? Yeah, no one was, that's no why one I'm was watching criticizing, it. No one was criticizing that these characters didn't really exist. What like, are you talking about? Like, okay, so th there's a movie called Bohemian Rhapsody, right? About Queen. Yeah. And I'm a massive Queen fan. And the reason I hate the movie is because of how wrong it tells the story. Mm -hmm. Now... 
that makes sense as a criticism, right, for a biopic. Yeah. Because it really happened. Yeah, because it really happened. And then they gave Freddie Mercury AIDS four years before he gets it and make it a plot device. And it's annoying. But with this, if he was saying... Uh, if he was getting mad at people for, you know, comparing it to the adaptation or something, if he was yeah, like, it's I've, a movie, what, it's not the comic. Yeah, but no, I'm he's guess- saying it's real. Like, no, it's not real. What are you talking about? Yeah, what I'm guessing that he's addressing is that the characters in the film don't fully represent the characters. Like, um, uh, Alan Quartermain doesn't isn't really the character of Alan Quartermain. Yeah. I've heard, I've, but the, I've but the, that, doesn't he chastise people? Doesn't he chastise people that are like, if you want backstories, read the book. Yeah. So where's he coming from? Yeah. I, I think, think he's an idiot. Yeah, again, I think that, yeah, I, I'm imagining the criticism that he's addressing is the, the criticism of these do not represent the characters that they're supposed to be. I think he's and just he's an take, idiot. <laughs> Just dismiss. Yeah, just an idiot. To, to, to be perfectly honest, anyone who gives this movie ten out of ten is an idiot. Uh, yeah. Well, he gave it an eight out of ten. Oh I no, mean, but he gave it a ten out of ten. He's not reneging that by fucking changing shit. Yeah. My God, that was inoffensive but wrong. Very. At least, it, at least he's at least he's strange. like not trying to be more than an idiot. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where some of these are like people that are idiots that are trying to be more than idiots. It's a weird movie to aggressively defend. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, such a nothing What do people, anyone get out of like aggressively defending this? Yeah, like to be a diehard League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie fan. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, so let's this... move on to the negative one. Okay. This gets a one out of ten. Titled, Such Brilliant Source Material, Such a Bad Film. Why? By Pamaranchi. Last night I watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on HBO. Big mistake. Why? Two reasons. I'd read the graphic novel and my IQ is over 73. That's okay. fucked. I thought that was a brag for a second. Um... Just seconds into the film, I was already shaking my head, both in small details and large. They'd managed to completely botch the job. Painful dialogue. Spelt dialogue wrong. Embarrassing special effects. Incredibly annoying characters. A script obviously written with dull-witted seven-year-old boys in mind. I'm trying to envision the Hollywood idiots who sat around a conference table and destroyed Alan Moore's witty and intelligent graphic novel. But then I cringe, because by all accounts, Sean Connery was one of them. He must be quite a bit dumber than I had hoped. What are you... What are you hoping that Sean Connery's smart for? What is it, really? You're hoping? Boy, I hope Sean Connery is intelligent. I, I'm really riding on that being true. I don't um, know what he's talking about. Yeah, Sean Connery's clearly a dumb guy. Um... I can't remember which scene first made me say, good lord, that's even worse than I dreamed possible. <laughs> he first made him say, which means, which means he said that multiple times throughout the film. Good lord, that's even worse than I dreamed possible. Wait, 
See, I'd like to sit next to this person because that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know I said it more than once. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Specifically that. Good. Um, oh, and Venice. I've been to Venice and Senator. That's no Venice. The one thing everyone in the world knows is that Venice has no streets, only canals. So what do they do? Have a car racing all over huge, completely non-existent streets in Venice. Why? What were they thinking? So many other things to insult the viewer. A graveyard in Venice? The enormous Nautilus cruising easily through canals that in the real world aren't one one hundredth wide or deep enough to fit it. I so, can't go so on. So, Dane, yeah. this review, I'm pretty much 100% con convinced, is the one that the guy that gave it a 10-star review was responding to. Dude, <laughs> it's a movie. Relax. Yeah, it does seem that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the, the, this could not be any more of a yin and yang, you know? because yeah, oh, there are no streets in, in Venice. The I've been to Venice. <laughs> and then the a other guy's like, it's a movie, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> I can't go on. It's just too awful. Do yourself a huge favor and read the graphic novel instead of seeing this turkey. Um, well, you know, I don't think he's wrong, but, you know, chill out. It's like, you know, you know how, like, there are people that you, th there's a debate team and they have their subject pro and against. Mm. And, um, he already knows what the outcome is. And the outcome is he hates the movie. He just forgot that he needed to like actually put effort into why he didn't like it yeah and for like valid excuses you know like i can argue against socialism or communism or fascism or whatever and know that that's my end goal but then my journey there needs to make sense and this dude just forgot that he was watching a film and forgot that it's fiction you know yeah i mean and, and it's and it's also um to kind of like deliberately meant to be, uh, but you know, this is what we're saying. Like it's meant to be over the top and silly, but then at points it's not. So, I mean, I don't, I, th I think if it had a followed through with its, you know, being a silly movie that he would have hated it probably even more. Mm. But I mean, I didn't have a problem with, I mean, when the Nautilus was creeping along the canals, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I, I didn't. I thought I didn't it was care. pretty dumb. You thought that was dumb? Yeah, it's dumb, but I wasn't like, oh, come on. I had, the, the, I had bigger issues. Like, um, you know, when Dorian gets in the escape pod mm. and then he's like waving at them and they're all just staring at him, but then not doing anything about it. Yeah. Do something about it. Yeah, that, like that's he's right in front of you. That's more infuriating to me than the the fucking the Excalibur of the ocean is mm. in a canal. You know what I mean? I mean, there's plenty of things that I would change in order to fix the film to make it good or at least bearable. The 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 Nautilus cruising down the canals isn't one of them. I don't care. What's that? 
there are things that I would fix. Yeah. That I would change in order to make the film watchable. But the Nautilus cruising down oh, the, the canals, about, I wouldn't I wouldn't change. There's about fifty things I'd change before that. Yeah. You know, like like light the film properly, write a logical <laughs> script. <laughs> just make a joke just make jokes that make it a, like make us realize that you know that this is stupid just anything to make this enjoyable yeah and then this and then those sort of things aren't a problem mm. like if that happened in a james bond movie mm. where a lot of attention to detail is put into those sort of things i would be annoyed mm-hmm. you know what i mean but in this sort of film who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? And and for me, it was like fuel on the... It was like throwing um, gasoline on a fire because I was already in a defensive mode because they hadn't given me any excuse to like the film. Mm. When shit like that happened, it was more annoying. You know what I right. mean? Whereas if they'd given me an excuse to enjoy it and to forget about it, then that isn't going to annoy me. But because they weren't keeping my attention with at least giving me entertainment, mm. things like that, I'm like, oh, fuck off. Are you serious? Another problem with this film? Yeah. You yeah. know, honestly, I think that the Nautilus cruising down the canal is a good example of how goofy I want the film to be. Sure. If the rest of the film had have taken itself as seriously as the Nautilus cruising down the canal... I probably would have liked it. Yeah, but in the context of everything else, it's not good. No. You know what I mean? No. In a different film. In 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 The Mummy. Mm. That would be funny, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't... I, don't, I, feel, I feel like this movie should have been sillier than The Mummy. The, like, the, <laughs> the film that I want this movie to be completely shits all over the comic. But you're not going to be able to make a faithful adaptation anyway. No. So if you would just want to make an entertaining film. If you would, if, if they would, if they would make an adaptation of this and make it serious, who would direct it? Who would direct a serious adaptation of league of extraordinary gentlemen? Yeah. Um, or at least not like so bad. It's good. Campy. Probably someone like Kenneth Branagh. Fuck off, really? Yeah, why not? That's no, nah, yeah, but you're getting into Shakespeare territory there. Uh, Do you want it to be like that? Do you want it to look like a soundstage sort of film? No, I was thinking more like he he did um, that. Fir- yeah, actually, because that first Thor film is very boring, isn't it? Well, for some people, I like it. Right. Well, he directed that. Yeah. Um, so what if it's? Could you imagine? Like could Kenneth... you imagine a Nolan version of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Ugh. Do you think it would be good? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, do you have any closing thoughts on uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Before I, um, before I give my number. Oh, you can give your fart number, so you can give your fart rating afterwards. And a little Whatever. fucking... Yeah, look, I think that um, this film has a lot going for it, but the things that are going against it completely derail it. It's a tr- it's, it is it is a train wreck, but I still think it's worth watching because it's, you know, 
it's it's an interesting train wreck and um sure yeah i mean if you're looking to if you know if you're looking to just like kick back and watch a fun movie don't watch it um but sure. if you're interested in 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 this type of thing like train wreck films or you know the history of comic book movies maybe i, I don't fucking know but i you know um would you watch a remake of it no even if it's a tv adaptation would you not are you not keen for that at all no i don't care no um, okay but you know i i didn't have a fucking i didn't have a fucking horrible time watching this it, it, it kept my interest the whole way through because i was seeing plenty of reasons why it should be good and i could see what, that what was a harder watch this or v for vendetta v for vendetta frustrated me more be- why um because i felt like it was it was sitting on the fence between like a very thoughtful intellectual film and a cheesy action film i felt like it sure. should have leaned heavily to one side or the other so that was more that was more frustrating for me. This was a complete disaster. So I I I said I you know I I settled into that early that I'm watching a, a crap movie, and so it was more like picking part picking apart the scenes of a train train wreck and and finding out what went wrong. You know. So it's like, so it's like chastising a world famous musician for slightly missing key compared to celebrating and being happy that your son at six years old can almost do chopsticks on a piano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Something like that. So it's, yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. I get that. So what's your, what's your fart rating? Uh, two farts. Two farts. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I gave Southland tales one or two farts. Mm. So to prove a point, I'm giving this three farts out of ten. <laughs> um, I prefer this to Southland Tales. Yes. So uh, three farts out of ten for me. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, I was meant to be going away next week. However, um, you know, the world's changed. I'm probably going back to work. So uh, that means you are actually going to have to Give a recommendation for next week. What are we going to watch next week, Dane? Uh, we're going to watch the best and the worst of James Bond. All of James Bond? Yep. All of it. Do you not want to split it up at all? Oh, or do okay. you just want me to do the math on 35 fucking films? Yeah, actually, because then we can do other Bonds later. So why don't we, why don't we start... Sean Connery, because it's the beginning? Let's start at the beginning. We're doing the best and the worst of Sean Connery Bond. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know I don't know what efforts go into your algorithm. Dude, it's it's more work than you'd like you would okay, but for context, you wouldn't do it. No, absolutely not. I'd just guess. <laughs> I'd just guess and tell everyone that I did it. I, I, okay, so you're, okay, so I'm a Bond fan. Okay. I know quite a bit about James Bond. And so I'm going to get you to quickly repeat the phrase. Okay. What are we, what are we, what am I doing the math on? What are we watching next week? We're watching the best and the worst 
of Sean Connery as James Bond. Okay, thank you. Because I have a surprise for you. Okay. Yeah. You didn't say the phrase specific enough. So, um, yeah. Next week. What, are we going to have to watch some fucking parody film from the 80s where he did a little brief cameo as Bond? Nope. We're going to probably have to watch a James Bond movie that he did out of spite with a guy that sued MGM to get the rights to a script in the 80s where Sean Connery plays James Bond. Oh, okay. Oh, sweet. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I have a feeling that might be the case. The name of the movie is Never Say Never Again, and that's in reference to him saying he'd never play Bond again. <laughs> they literally named it after him saying he'd never do it again when he does it again. That sounds, so, that sounds wild. So, <laughs> we'll see. There might be a worse one, but... Um, yeah, I'll do the math. Thank you for not making me do math on, uh, what, 1962 to now? Yeah. How many fucking films is that? Jesus like Christ. 20, I think it's like, I think James Bond 25 is coming out next year or this year, maybe. That's a, that, that's a, yeah, that's a lot. Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, talk to you next week where we watch Sean Connery, James Bonds. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.